You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Today, we're going to be reconnecting with uh, with a frequent, he's becoming a frequent guest of, of the podcast, Frank Baldwin, to get uh, to share some extra information on a topic that probably flew under the radar, so to speak, for a lot of people uh, over the past couple of years. But I know when you hear about it, you're going to be interested in it. Uh, and it, it relates to a spring conservation season for Canada geese, uh, in at least in Manitoba. We're going to get the details of how far this, uh, how widely this is available. So Frank, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Mike. Yeah, you, you brought this idea to me as we were preparing for a recent episode where we talked about reading population survey update, habitat condition update there on the prairies this summer. And you, you reminded me that this year, 2021, was the first year that, that y'all had offered a spring Canada goose conservation season, as it's called. That conservation season language is going to be similar to what most hunters are going to be, will know with regard to the light goose conservation order, you know, the spring uh, conservation order for light geese. And so, uh, Canada uh, has found itself in a situation where it's using a, a spring uh, conservation season to help help with some issues it's having around Canada geese. So, I guess just give us the rundown on, on what it is we're dealing with here. Sure. So, the I guess the history of the season, um, it, 2021 was the first year of the season, but the work towards uh, the season started in about 2014. And um, really, uh, it, it's a conservation season, so it's not a hunting season, um, similar to, to, to snow geese and, and Ross's geese. Um, Canada geese were recently declared overabundant. And um, over the last few decades, we've been watching this population grow. Um, so we, we estimate abundance of this population using the the, the may be pop survey, the same one that we use for estimating population size, a variety of duck species. And the population has been growing at an extremely high rate, about eight uh, to 10% uh, since about the 1990s. And um, they've been causing a variety of issues, uh, both human safety issues and issues with, um, you know, agriculture, especially. Um, and um, the migratory bird regulations allow for us to create conservation seasons when we, when a population is designated as overabundant. So it um, means it's, in, it's defined in the regulations, but it means that the rate of the growth or the size of the population is injurious to environmental, uh, agricultural, or similar interests. And um, the population really fit the definition well. Um, we're concerned about its rate of growth and how high it could grow if we don't um, bring it under control. And the best mechanism, in our opinion, to do that was through um, 
introducing some increased harvest on it. Um, similar, this is a situation that's, you know, common right across um, many parts of North America. But in Manitoba here, we're in a little bit of a unique situation because we do get, a, a, we have limited ability to increase the harvest on this population using our, our fall hunting seasons. And that's mostly due to uh, the swamping of the this population by other migrants from across the Arctic and the subarctic. Yeah, there's a, boy, there's a number of things to unpack here. They can get really exciting as we talk about Canada goose biology and, you know, eco- ecology and their molt migration, all that kind of stuff. So let, let me, me first make sure I understand a couple of things here. Is this spring conservation season available across all of Canada or was this just a Manitoba thing? This is just in Manitoba. And it's only in southern Manitoba. It's okay. the population that was designated as overabundant was the uh, giant Canada goose population or temperate nesting Canada goose population, whatever you want to call it, you know, in the sort of southern part of Manitoba. We defined the, we defined the you know, the boundaries of the population in the uh, proposal. Okay. All right. That, so you answered my second question, which was, you know, which... Uh, which subspecies, if you will, uh, what, what are we talking about? The temperate nesting, the residents, the the giant, you know, residents that most people are going to be familiar with. Um, is it, and what we're talking about now is just Southern Manitoba. This, is this on the radar in any other provinces in Canada? I'm not aware of it. I mean, the issue of abundance and growth of Canada geese is on the radar, I'd say in some other areas, but I'm not aware of anywhere that's anywhere else in Canada that's considering a similar designation. Okay. Uh, do you have an idea of the, you know, what's the, the population size of the resident Canada geese there in Southern Manitoba? Ooh, I'm going back in memory here, but um, we use a, we use the BPOP survey to index it. And so uh, we, that's only a portion of Southern Manitoba that's surveyed. And mm-hmm. I can't, I, off the top of my head, I can't recall the exact size of the population, but it's essentially three times the objective that Manitoba set in the 1990s for this population. Um, And the actual, the overall um, estimate is an underestimate because it's only for that portion that we survey anyhow. Yeah. And, and, and it's growing at a pretty, um, you know, pretty high rate, right? Three times the, 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 the objective and growing at a pretty high rate right now. Yeah, so that rate of growth that I mentioned at eight to eight eight to ten percent uh, in that neighborhood—that's you know population doubling every seven years or so. I think seven eight years, something like that. So it's a it's a rate that snow geese grew at. I think in the in the nineties, uh, you know, in that late nineties, it was um, it's a very high rate of growth. Are they? Is this population of Canada geese concentrated around some of the urban areas, or do you see it? across the landscape um, or is it a little bit of both? Definitely it's concentrate. Well, it's right across the landscape, but we do have a, lo- a number of, you know, urban areas that have major issues with Canada geese, but it's, it's an issue right across the, right across the Southern part of the province. So we have pretty good data on crop damage, um, you know, compensation, which is paid to farmers. Um, so we have a good idea of where the damage occurring and, and the time frame. And when we look at narrowing down, you know, that time frame so that we're, you know, looking at spring damage, you know, being caused by this population, you know, so that we're excluding those northern populations that aren't present at that time. And we have, you know, other data sets uh, uh, looking at vehicle collisions with geese, which sounds like it would be an anomaly, but it's not. It's a 
very common occurrence and it's you know only half of those collisions occur in winnipeg so it's it's not an issue that's confined to one area and so because it's such a, a widespread issue it's not really something that permitting can 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 handle like we do have a permit process for dealing with you know localized issues of abundance um but it's it's such a broad issue that that's why we wanted to try to use uh you know hunt, hunting to try and control it yeah and and so i want to dig in a little bit frank here on the 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 spring component uh or, or the the fact that this is a a spring season and contrast that with the fall seasons, the early fall seasons that we have in the States. And you kind of referenced the reason for this difference just a few moments ago when you, you, you kind of alluded to why you, you have limited success controlling these resident populations through, through a fall season. But in the, in the States, uh, we, a lot of, a lot of areas have early Canada goose seasons. I believe in some places they start as early as September one and they're designed to kind of increase harvest rates on some of those local resident goose populations. But why give us some more detail on why that option, well, I guess two things. Do you have an early Canada goose season? And if so, um, why are, is it not as effective as what we have here in the States? Give us a bit of an understanding on what's happening there. Sure. So we know from, from uh, a variety of states that have even August Canada goose seasons um, that August seasons uh, uh, in a lot of cases shift harvest from September to August. So they don't necessarily generate a whole lot of additional harvest. They just change the distribution of harvest. And in our case in Manitoba here, August seasons um, uh, would be a bit of a challenge with our uh, timing of our of of harvest of 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 agricultural harvest, and also they would target uh, some molt migrant Canada geese, possibly a high, uh, possibly you know a disproportionate amount of the harvest would be molt migrants from other parts of the flyway that are returning back to their natal areas in August and early September. And so what we found um, was that uh, we were looking for a time period where there would be the most segregation between the population of interest that we're trying to put harvest on and the other populations that cause this sort of swamping effect. And um, we found that March is the time period where we get a major separation between giant Canada geese from Manitoba that are coming back to nest here and all of these Arctic, subarctic, and then mole migrant you know, populations from throughout the flyway. Okay. And so then you're able to kind of get around that though, by focusing on a, a spring season, when does the spring season occur and how does that timing specifically align with the different mig uh, migrations of these groups of birds? Help me understand that. The first point would be to understand that all of the work throughout the decades to time fall seasons appropriately to, to protect certain populations or put harvest pressure on other populations most of that has been done using banding data. So looking at temporal distribution of uh, recoveries of banded birds. The challenging part in the springtime period is the absence of recoveries. So we don't really have a history of band recoveries in any numbers really to look at timing of migration. So that's going back to about 2014 when we were looking at options for trying to control this population that's when we started to consider how we would determine whether there was any separation in the spring. And so at that time, we started to put together the pieces on a research project to mark 
uh, representative members of three populations that move through Manitoba. So uh, mid-continent cacklers that nest up in the high Arctic or in the, on Baffin Island. And then subarctic Canada geese or southern Hudson Bay Canada geese that nest in northern Manitoba. And then uh, our, our population of giants down in southern Manitoba. So starting in 2016, we started putting uh, light level geolocators on each population as a means to determine when they were moving through in the springtime because of the absence of that band recovery data. So, so that's a, that's an important piece to just mention off the start. And so we wanted to have, you know, several years of information on that migration chronology during spring, because we thought that it could be quite variable based on phenology. And we chose geolocators because they were, their, their leg uh, mounted. Uh, so they go on plastic tarsal bands and they record light levels and time. They're nowhere near as accurate as something like a GPS collar, but we knew that we could uh, get a long time period out of them. And we were confident that they wouldn't affect the survival or the movement of the birds. So, so some of the birds throughout the length of the study had, you know, four years of spring migrations on these devices. So they don't transmit, but you have to, you have to get them back. You have to download them and then you have to use programming to extract location estimates and the quality of the location estimates vary depending on the time of year. And there's a number of, you know, factors and a fairly intensive process to analyze them. But so that's that pro that work started in 2016. It revealed this time window in March from earliest, you know, birds being uh, early March, uh, giants returning back. And then really there being a, a, a complete separation of those birds from subarctic Canada geese and cackling geese through until uh, at least the end of March and actually uh, a bit into April. And so at the time that this proposal was published in 2019, we had back a pretty decent sample of, uh, of, of geolocators. I think it was over 90 individuals from three populations. Since that time, we've acquired a lot more, both through uh, recaptures from banding operations and also through harvest. So going back to what you said in a previous podcast about the role of hunters, this project was a, th this is a project that just would not have been possible without the contributions of hunters. We've got, I think, over 60 geolocators back from hunters that harvested them that went at their own expense to mail them back to us, uh, took at, you know, looked after the unit so that it didn't get bumped or compromised in any way. And yeah, they were just an integral part of the project and continue to be so to, to do, to, to be important. We st we're still getting these things back uh, today. And so Frank, if I understand correctly, what you found and what enabled this spring season on the temperate, on your resident uh, giant Canada geese is that they start returning to their natal areas to Southern Manitoba around the first of March, early March. And there's about a month's time before uh, you start seeing migrants from other populations make their way into and through Manitoba. Is that what I'm understanding? That's correct. Yep. It's actually it's actually even a bit longer. We were a, a bit conservative with the dates when we proposed them because we had a smallish number of cacklers back um, be, because cacklers have a very small harvest rate, about uh, two to 3%. Um, we didn't get as many of them back. And then we also had some issues with recaptures on Baffin Island that were driven by weather. We we deploy these things in such a way that we go back and search for them in pre in in the following years of banding and try to capture the birds and download their data. And on Baffin Island, the crew up there ran into weather issues two years in a row. So we had a, a slightly smaller sample of them back. So we're a little bit conservative on the dates, 
Um, we have a graduate student right now that's working uh, at the University of Manitoba, finishing up her thesis in the next few months here. And she's going to be part one chapter of her, th- her thesis is proposing sort of the, f- the final dates for this season based on the full set of data that which we now have, which was a lot more rich than than it was in 2019. So that's that's correct about what you said, though, that that's the time window when those birds are coming back and those other populations that nest, you know, in the Arctic are are much. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. further south. Okay, so 2021 was the uh, was the the first year in which this was was offered. How did it go? What were the dates? March 1st to March 31st is the dates. So quite early, we did luck out a little bit in um, 2021 with with an early a year of early phenology here. So we had we had uh, pretty good numbers of Canada geese here in the first week of March, and I'd say a solid three two to three weeks of hunting opportunity. So um, yeah, quite quite an early migration. I think we did luck out a little bit, uh, and um, a fair bit of interest. We the the province had a. Um, a special uh, spring permit for this season so that we could uh, put together an estimate of um, hunter participation. And uh, we're just in the process of completing a harvest survey right now. And uh, it looks like somewhere around a thousand uh, people participated in the season. And that's of course, residents only um, because of the border closure. So we're expecting in future years to have, uh, you know, a number of non-residents come up and enjoy the season also. That was going to be one of my questions, if it was going to be open to non-residents in future years, once that's, once that's possible. And the answer there is yes. What are the, what are the daily bag limits? And uh, yeah, let me just break it down one question by question. What are the daily bag limits? Daily bag limit is eight. Mm. It's same as it's uh, for residents. It's the same as the fall season for non-residents. It's still eight. So it's more than the fall season for, for non-residents is five here. So it's, it's eight in the spring. It's not an extremely high bag limit. And the goal is to really understand what sort of harvest pressure we, we can put on the population and, and then to, you know, adjust things as we, as we, as we need to. So we've got a well-banded population or especially well-banded before COVID, not as well, not quite as well-banded last year, but some bands did get out last year. And the goal is to use those spring recoveries to try to understand the proportional increase in the harvest rate as a result of the spring season. Any regulations in place to further minimize the chance of, of harvesting, let's say, a cackling goose? Is, is it, do you have that in the regulations? You know, because uh, cackling goose, between a difference in size between a cackler and a giant, is probably going to be pretty noticeable. Are, there, are those types of things written into the regulations, or are you confident enough in the, in, in those dates and how they avoid the, the migration of those sub- subarctic populations that you, you know, really don't worry about imposing any other species identification restrictions. The way that it's written in the regs is it's a, it's a conservation season for Canada geese. So it doesn't include cackling geese. And we are, we are confident that it will just time-wise miss the migration of, of cackling geese and subarctic Canada geese. And, 
and uh, we'll we'll evaluate that using band recoveries also. So we we those are both well banded populations, you know. And uh, as we go through a few more seasons, we'll we'll look at uh, recoveries um, of those other populations by hunters during that time period. I don't have any additional questions for you on this. You've provided a great update on it, and I appreciate you. recommending this as a topic that would be of interest i I know it it certainly will any uh you know canada there are a lot of folks that listen listen to the podcast a lot of folks among our supporters and members that uh, that are canada goose specialist and when they hear about an opportunity for you know to participate in a a canada goose spring conservation order i'm i'm sure their interest is going to be peaked and they're going to be looking into that so uh yeah you know hopefully hopefully next year uh, you'll see some non-residents uh participate in in that season anything else related to that conservation season that you'd like to share well i just say it's a it's a really unique time to be out on the landscape it's uh it's fairly early so it's before our migration of snow geese comes through manitoba it's an interesting time to be out um canada geese are very territorial at, at that time of year so they're very um interested in decoys um small numbers of decoys on you know frozen sloughs seem to be quite effective and it's a neat time of year because you can also do a little ice fishing uh, while hunting Canada geese on like a frozen lake. So it's uh, both as a unique waterfall hunting experience as, as I've had. That's a, a new twist on cast and blast. Let me just say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I guarantee you, you'll have a lot of people that want to take you up on that. So that's pretty cool. Frank, thank you for taking additional time to share a, a story about a new development within the waterfowl management community and some additional opportunities for hunters to participate in some of the conservation efforts that are going on across North America right now. And so, so thanks for that. And yeah, look forward to, to catching up with you on another topic here later this year. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. Another special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Frank Baldwin, waterfowl biologist with the Canadian Wildlife Service. Uh, Appreciate, as always, his time and expertise. Similarly, we always thank Clay Baird for the great work he does on this podcast and getting these out to you, our listeners, uh, whom we wouldn't be doing this without you. And we thank you for your time and spending with us and for your support, passion and commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.